Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, July 30th, 2023. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and your moderator for this morning. The share ID numbers for Friday, July 28th, are the followings for the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 20,485. That's 485. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 20,486. That's 20486. This morning, A Vision for You presents a design for living that works. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening. Their real advantage is that they are a specific method for producing a personal transformation, a metamorphosis, a change in the way a person thinks a change in the way a person feels, and most importantly, a change in the way a person behaves. We have a profound alteration in our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The big book teaches that we are now living life on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. It is this strength and this power which allows us to develop emotional sobriety, resilience, and recovery, enabling us to live life on life's terms. The 12 steps and spiritual principles become the design of our lives. We understand the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all our affairs. We strive for consistent thought and action in service of others. Yes, life is still challenging. And yes, life is difficult at times. We still encounter speed bumps, but we now have adequate shock absorbers to smooth out the ride. We are, in reality, equipped with real tools. We are now living life on life's terms, living in the fourth dimension. We truly have a design for living that works. Joining us this morning to offer her experience is Stephanie L., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Stephanie is dedicated to the 12-step design for life and has a powerful message of hope to share. And it's with great appreciation that I welcome Stephanie L. to the line this morning. Well, thank you so much, Leah. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, This is Stephanie L., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater here in Southern California, and uh, really honored to be here with you all this morning. It's 5.30 my time, and um, yeah, uh, could barely sleep last night, um, you know, thinking about... uh, didn't want to not wake up, I guess, this morning. But 
I, I really do. Um, I do want to start with uh, a prayer, and I just want to invite uh, my higher power, who I call God, and and I just want to first say that God uh, is the hero of my story, and I just want to pray that God, please speak through me, speak through me, and give me the words to share this uh, amazing miracle that you have given me to share about this miracle that is available to everyone. And thank you so much for uh, for being here with me this morning, Scott. Um, so I I wanted to start by saying I have been in Overeaters Anonymous for 17 years, and um, I wish I could say, yeah, I've been here for 17 years, and I have 17 years I've been recovered, and that is just not my story. My story is I've had periods of relapse, I've had periods of recovery. And, um, you know, I am two and a half years, uh, I have been um, graced with this miracle of recovery um, out of a relapse that lasted for two years and a relapse that brought me to the depths of despair and hopelessness. And, you know, my deal is I never leave OA from the minute I got here. I knew that the the answer, the answer that I somehow even in these rooms, you know, couldn't grasp was here because I, I have had a problem with food my entire life. Um, from an early age, um, you know, food was, has always been the solution. It's always been the solution to my problem. Um, I wasn't a super overweight uh, child, um, not until really my teens is when really the weight started to pack on. Um, but I, I always felt different. I always felt less than. I always felt like I really, I don't know, like I didn't belong. Um, and so my solution was, you know, to hide in my room with whatever I could <laughs> whatever junk food I could find and I would escape, I would escape into books and I would escape into some kind of other world that was not, that was not mine. And so, you know, I, I tried commercial diets and oh, by the way, I've gained and lost a hundred pounds multiple times um, in these rooms, Um, in these rooms, I have gained and lost a hundred pounds twice. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have a story of, I came here, I got the food plan, I worked the steps, I found God. It wasn't like that for me. Um, and I guess where I really want to pick it up is, um, is this last, this last time of relapse. And, you know, it's really interesting. And, and I think Leah said it, right? Like, this, this is about transformation. You know, I, I, again, I've been in these rooms and I could quote this big book and I could tell you what page certain things are on. And, you know, I could, I could, I had all of this information, but what I didn't have is I didn't have that transformation or that, you know, this, this spiritual problem I have necessitates a spiritual solution. And I didn't have that for many years in these rooms. I'm sure people talked about, you know, you know, about God. I, I heard people 
you know, sharing about the spiritual aspect of the program. But it's, I, I had to learn the hard way. It's not a spiritual aspect of the program for me. This whole program is spiritual. This whole program is about finding this power, this power that I call God, you know, that is going to solve my problems. And it's the problem isn't the food. Food for me, food for me has always been, as I said, has always been the solution. So I had about three years, little over three years um, of recovery and life got really big. And, you know, the funny thing is, like my disease will glob on to any reason, any reason to compulsively overeat. And I've also learned that circumstances have nothing to do with the reason that I pick up, nothing to do with it. The world could be falling down around me. And I really want to talk about that. And I want to talk about two specific paragraphs in Bill's story that talk about this design for living that works, no matter what, no matter what is happening in my life. If I am, you know, spiritually, oh, my alarm is going off. Whoops, let me turn that off. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Um, If I am connected with this power and keeping this channel unblocked, I can be you know, there could be a tremendous amount of chaos around me and I can be okay. And that's, that's a part of my story, my story as well. So, you know, I, I, I lost all my weight, got down to a healthy body size, um, was going to school, um, life was super, super busy, um, And, you know, for me, the relapse, it doesn't, like the food is the last part of the relapse and it doesn't happen overnight. You know, if I, as I look back, like I had relapsed emotionally. Um, I was putting, you know, everything before um, the things that were keeping me connected to God. I stopped doing 10 steps. I stopped, um, I wasn't sponsoring as much. And, you know, I'll never forget it. It was January 1st, and it was actually New Year's Eve. I went out to dinner with my family. I made some decisions around my food that, you know, I talked to my sponsor the next day. My sponsor really challenged me and said, well, I don't know. What do you think about what what happened the night before? And I was pissed off. I was pissed off. Like, she wanted me in my mind, to give up over three years, right? Because that date was so important to me. She wanted me to give up over three years of recovery and start over and da, 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 da. And by the end of the day, it was like, well, screw it. If I'm going to start over, then I'm going to go out big. And I never imagined, I never imagined that it was going to be two years of hell. I gained 110 pounds back and I never leave. And I would bounce from, you know, sponsor to sponsor from faction of OA to faction of OA. And it was like a ping pong ball looking for the solution. Right. And, and it's like, I had all this knowledge. I had all this knowledge, but it wasn't enough. 
it wasn't enough. And I was angry at this higher power for, in my mind, taking this miracle away from me. Um, And I was like, I don't know, a walking ooze of self-pity. And, um, you know, I'm in my mid-50s and being 250 pounds in my mid-50s was very different than being 250 pounds in my 20s or even my 30s. Um, This was the time, you know, um, where I was working from home and my life consisted of, so this really big life that recovery had given me that my, you know, that, that these miracles that I had been given, um, this huge big life became extremely small to the point where I would get up in the morning, I would brush my teeth, I'd walk over to the chair in the next room, I'd get on the Zoom, go to work, sitting in that chair, not moving, binging, you know, whenever I could, you know, get a break, finish work, go downstairs, get all my binge foods, you know, eat and watch Netflix and pass out, wake up, you know, and I'd watch whatever show would have a million episodes so that like I could just escape into this fantasy world and act like, I don't know, food became, food became the solution again, and it became my entire life. And, um, you know, I, I, I would, wouldn't answer the phone for my kids. I was hiding from my husband, who, by the way, is in this program as well, right? Um, and there were many times that I couldn't even eat in the house because he was here and I didn't want to eat in front of him. So I found this amazing trick, like, I could go to the grocery store, I could sit outside, Starbucks has Wi-Fi, with my laptop in the parking lot of Starbucks, right? Like, no one could see me. I would sit in my car for hours until my battery in my laptop would run out, binging and watching Netflix in my car. And then I would go home and my husband was asleep and continue on. And that's how small my world had gotten, right? And, you know, my husband, like, I don't know, a few months ago, my husband reminded me the times that I would come to bed after binging downstairs, I would tell him, I would say things to my husband, like, I want to die. I don't want to live like this. Where's the gun? Like I would, I would, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live like this, but I didn't know how to stop. And this amazing miracle, I, I, my sponsor always talks about God putting out these search and rescue missions and that's exactly what happened for me. Um, I never miss the OA birthday party. And um, the 17 years I have been there, the OA birthday party every January in LA. And it was on Zoom. And I don't know, I saw something on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, it's OA birthday party. And, you know, like that Saturday morning, I, I paid the, the, I think it was like $30. And I I logged on and I heard a couple speakers and and then um, and here's the funny thing I'm I'm listening camera off binging my brains out right like cookie crumbs <laughs> all over my laptop right and I hear this I see this beautiful woman and her face is alive and her eyes are gleaming and she says. 
You can have all the, all the desire in the world, but not the needed power. And I mean, and I'm not even like, I'm not even like drunk, like exaggerating. The cookie literally fell out of my hand and I heard her. You can have all the desire in the world, but not the needed power. And like I said, I've heard, like I've been in these rooms and I've heard people talk about God and I've heard people, what I heard was the spiritual aspect of the program, right? Which is BS, right? Because it is a spiritual program. But I, I heard her. I heard her. For whatever reason, God spoke through her to me. And I wrote her number down and I called her. And the funniest thing happened, she called me back. <laughs> I'm like, wow, she's calling me back, you know. And, and you know, she, we talked about what had happened and where I was at. And she told me a little bit more of her story. And, you know, she gave me an assignment. And I'll never forget that first day of abstinence. And, you know, I... Again, I was desperate, but I didn't believe this program was going to work for me anymore because I believed it was going to work for you. But in my distorted mind, I, believe, I, I started to think that I had exhausted all of my recovery. And maybe God worked for you, but God isn't going to work for me. And I remember her saying, do you believe that, it's do you believe that this is working for me? And I said, well, yeah, look at you. I can see it. And she's like, she's like well, hold on to that. you know. And then she told me, and I'm a very good soldier. She told me, you know, I want you to spend 30 minutes every morning in prayer and meditation. So I want you to, when you wake up tomorrow morning, I want you to spend 30 minutes. And all of these years that I've worked this program, I was never willing to sit in prayer and meditation, right? I'm busy. Don't you know? I have all this stuff going on, right? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a student. I'm a grandmother. Um, I, I, I work. Like, what? And I just said, okay, okay, right? And I'll never forget that that next morning. Well, first of all, let me just say that first week, I, I, my body was so used to like eating and passing out every night that I went through this, these terrible withdrawals from the sugar and I couldn't sleep at night. And I remember just holding on and okay, God, I don't know if you're there. And I don't even believe that you even exist anymore. And I'm really pissed off at you. But I can't, I don't want to die. Because you know, for me, this is life or death. And you know, this disease doesn't like it's not like a, a drug overdose that's going to kill me instantly. But it's so crushing. And my soul, like, I it is such a dark and lonely place. And the act of compulsively overeating is such a violent act where I can't even taste the food. And those last couple of months, I'm crying as I'm eating, going, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. But I couldn't stop. And so I was willing to do whatever this woman asked me to do. And so that morning, I set my timer for 30 minutes because I'm a good little soldier, right? And I sat there and I I this dialogue started like, I, I, I'm pissed at you. I don't believe in you anymore. I don't even know who I'm talking to anymore. And I'm very visual. And so I had this visual of sitting on a park bench 
you know, like, I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but there's this visual. I'm sitting on a park bench, and God is on one end of that park bench, and I'm on the other end, and I'm like, I can't even look at you. How could you do this to me? Look at me. I'm in pain. Look at, look at me. Look what you did to me. I can't even look at you. And that was the beginning of, I don't know, like any relationship, if there's no communication, things aren't going to change. And so I did my 30 minutes. I stopped when my buzzer went off. And I, I made an outreach call to some people that my sponsor had suggested I talk to. And I, and I, I, I asked her, what do you do during that prayer meditation? And I'm so pissed off at God. And I, gave, I told her the story of how I sat in that park bench. And she said, Stephanie, tomorrow, why don't you picture yourself moving a little bit closer? And the next day, a little bit closer. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll try it. Because I don't. Well, I knew, I knew that my thinking was distorted and I didn't want what I had anymore. And so the next morning, I moved a little closer. And this funny thing happened. By like the end of the week, I was looking at God and I was talking to God and the, and, and the conversation shifted. And I was starting to feel like some sort of connection. And that was the other thing my sponsor said to me. By the time we get to step two, you're going to start to feel the power flowing in. And she was exactly right. I started to feel a shift and the obsession was lifted. And I got to tell you that for a compulsive overeater like me, how do you go from this hopeless, helpless wreck of a person who wants to die a week and a half later starting to believe that maybe there is a God And maybe this God is available to me too. And maybe, just maybe, this is going to work for me too. And those first three steps, right? Like, I I have to know who I am and I have to know who I'm not. And I have to believe in my heart of hearts that I am a compulsive overeater, that I have this problem and another spiritual sister and teacher that I love so much always talks about, like, I have to know that I am this distinct entity that I cannot eat. I can't, and it's not just eating. Like I cannot eat the things that other people can eat with impunity. I can't. I can't. I have lost the ability. Maybe I never had it, but there are certain foods that I cannot put into my system without setting off a problem. Ding, 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 more, more, more. But that's a small part of my problem because the bigger problem and the bigger issue and where I'm even more of a distinct entity is I can't, I can't live in my character defects. I can't, like, I have to practice these principles in all my affairs, right? This design for living has to, this new design for living has to be how I live my life. Right? I can't live in justified anger. I can't live in resentment because those are the things that block me from this power that's saving my life. I'm a distinct entity in so many areas of my life, and I have to know that, right? Because not only is food a problem, I have to know I'm powerless over the food, right? And when I say problem because food is really my solution, I mean I can't eat the way my kids can eat, right? 
they eat a piece of, uh, they take a bite of something or they eat half of it and they push it away because it's too rich or they've had enough. And I'm like, what, who are you? How do you do that? Because I can't do that. Because if I have one bite of that, then I'm at the grocery store buying a whole big cake, eating it by myself in the car because I'm too ashamed to eat in front of you, right? So I have to know that I am powerless over food. And then that second piece of step one, I have to know in my heart of hearts that my life is unmanageable because it is, because I live devilments, right? In the food, I live in those bedevilments. And without a spiritual connection with this God who is saving my life and who loves me unconditionally and who is here with me every moment of the day, right? Without that, I'm a mess. And you know what? Sometimes life is still messy, right? And I want to get to that, but I just want to stress that step one, I, I'm not going to seek power. I'm not going to sit there on that park bench in my mind in meditation and, and, and try and build this relationship and this connection. And why would I turn my will and my life over to this God if I don't believe that I need this God? Because I was raised to be, you know, Never let anyone see you sweat. Work hard. You can do this. You can do anything you set your mind to. And that was, it was that way in so many areas of my life. I was successful in business. I, 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 I you know, decided as a result of recovery to live or to, to leave a profession that I had for 25 years and go back to school so I could spend the rest of my life helping people, Right because I know that's where God would have me be today. But if I don't seek and seek God's will and then look to do God's will, I'm not going to listen to that voice that says, I don't know if you're where you need to be, honey. Maybe it's time to do something different. And I have a plan for you that is so much greater and bigger and better than anything you could ever imagine, right? Come with me. And so I worked the steps with that sponsor that beautiful sponsor. And, you know, in, in this, I went through a hospitalization period, took me about eight weeks. And, you know, this hospitalization period meant that finding this spiritual connection and working these steps had to be the priority. Because here's the other thing about transformation versus information. I was that person in meetings who was saying, this, this book is saving my life. This big book is saving my life. These steps are saving my life, right? But here's the deal. This big book that we study so ardently and in these meetings, right? This book that we study tells me how to work the steps that connect me with power, with, that give me the spiritual solution that is saving my life. The book isn't saving my life. The steps aren't saving my life. But they give me the correct information in this guide to connect with this power and to keep this channel unblocked. Because if I can't connect with the power, I'm back in self-will and back in this, you know, like this finite yeah, my finite human power and will. It doesn't, it doesn't work. So I want to go to page 14 in the big book. And I just want to do uh, a quick time check here. Okay. I think I'm still good with, 
Yes, I'm still good with time. Okay. I want to go to page 14 in Bill's story, and I want to read a little bit. And it says, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me? And then it says, faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would sure die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. And my sponsor also told me at the beginning that I was going to have to work with others, and she also encouraged me to start start looking for ways to be of service and self-sacrifice for others. Like day one, look for ways to be of service. Look for ways to help others, right? Because here's the thing. It is like my lifeblood today is, because here, let, let me say it differently. Sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit on my words. I know what I want to say, but they're just not <laughs> coming out. Here's the deal, Right? I don't, I, there are days that I wake up and I might feel sad or, or, or something's going on in my life that is challenging, right? But this weird thing happens when I start praying for someone else, even in my prayer meditation, if I don't feel like I'm connecting with God, all of a sudden I start praying for the people in my life. I start praying for someone else and I start feeling closer to God. Or I, I, I wake up and I'm feeling off and I work with a sponsee and I hang up the phone or I get off of Zoom and all of a sudden I feel lifted up because it works. And, and, and the service and self-sacrifice, you know, my sponsor also told me that if I'm doing service or, or if I'm, if I'm, I'm helping others, and there's not some form of sacrifice. Like, it isn't always easy, right? Like, maybe I'm, I'm working a 12-hour day, and the time slot I have to work with a sponsee is, set, is like 7 in the morning or 6.30 in the morning, and it's not always convenient, and I don't always want to do it. But let me tell you, after I do it, I feel better. How does that work, right? You know, and, and it tells me right here that I have to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life. And then it tells me how through work and self-sacrifice for others. And then it tells me I'm going to have trials and low spots, right? But this is how I can survive those trials and low spots. Because if I don't do this work, I'm going to eat again. And if I eat, I will surely die. That soul sickness will come back immediately, right? And then in the next paragraph, he tells us more because here's the thing. We know that Bill struggled with depression, right? And, and, and I'm that person like, wait, do I get depressed because I'm in the food or what comes first? And you know what? Or, or why am I feeling depressed? I heard a speaker say once, why is not a spiritual question? <laughs> it's not. It doesn't matter why. I feel this way, and what is the solution, right? The solution 
And as Bill says here in the middle of that paragraph on page 15, when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day, right? When I'm feeling depressed or anxious or even confused, working with another compulsive overeater is going to save the day. And then he says, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. And I would say it is a design for living that works no matter what. No matter the good times, the bad times. And you know, six months into this abstinence, my, some things happened between my husband and I. And we had to separate. And I thought that was the worst thing in the world that could ever happen. I'm, I, you know, I'm recovered, but I'm only six months in. And it was, I had sleepless nights and sadness and fear and what's going to happen and is my marriage over? And, and you know what? I threw myself even harder into sponsoring, into like calling newcomers finding ways to be of service, finding ways to like connect with God at a deeper level and trusting, trusting that no matter what God had in store for me, I was going to be okay, you know? And, and the miracle of recovery is my husband got abstinent. My husband began working a couple of programs. And we worked separately on, you know, I, I continued doing what I needed to do for my recovery and to, to grow and enlarge this, this, this spiritual connection. He worked, you know, his program, he worked the steps, and four months later, we were able to come back together. And we're still working on our marriage two, I don't know, two years, two years later. Um, but no matter what, like circumstance, because that if there wasn't an excuse for me to pick up the food, right? In my mind, that was an excuse. But see, here's the thing: again, circumstances are never the reason that I compulsively overeat. I compulsively overeat because I'm a compulsive overeater, and the food becomes my solution again. And if I don't perfect and enlarge my spiritual life, again, through work and self-sacrifice for others, the food is going to become my solution again. It'll become my only solution. And you know, like, the miracle, um, I really destroyed the relationships with my family, with my daughters. I have three adult daughters, and, you know, um, I wasn't there for them during that relapse and I wouldn't pick up the phone and I wouldn't call them back. And I sat in this, that deep, dark depression, um, binging constantly. Um, and so I created a lot of wreckage and, you know, here's the miracle. Those relationships have mended. And I recently went on a cruise and by the way, I learned that I can be, I can abstain from compulsively overeating Anywhere. I can go anywhere in this world and not have to pick up. And I went on a cruise with to celebrate my graduation from grad school. And one of my daughters graduated from college. And we went on a cruise with my three daughters, myself, my mother, and my grandson, who's five years old. And um, 
it was challenging to say the least. There were moments that uh, this one fighting with that one and this one drank too much and there's chaos <laughs> and drama. And here's the thing. Every morning I got up, I went on to the top deck of the boat. I did my 30 minutes in prayer and meditation. I made outreach calls to connect with people. I even worked with sponsees as much as I could while I was on that cruise. Not because I'm this great spiritual person, because those are the things that I need to do to survive right? Service and self-sacrifice for others so that I can stay connected with this loving and powerful God who, who has provided this new life for me. And, and so it, it was funny. Well, it wasn't funny. So one of my daughters really flipped out on that cruise and um, I had to set a boundary with her. She was drinking too much and I don't know, she had some kind of anxiety attack and depression. It, it, it just things, things kind of fell apart a little bit on the last day. And throughout those five days that we were together, I just tried. I didn't get involved. I kept my side of the street clean. Even that last day, I set a boundary with my daughter lovingly. I got home. My middle daughter and my oldest daughter were like, Mom, we can really tell you're working the program because, like, you, you are so spiritual. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, no, I am not so spiritual. And I have the solution no matter what is going on in my life. There can be drama and chaos around me, right? But I don't, I don't have to live like that anymore because this this design for living, it works. It works no matter what. And um, I think I'm going to, well, maybe I'll just, I think I'm going to stop there, but I do want to say one, one more thing. I want to just talk a little bit about what my life is like today. I graduated from grad school. And by the way, I did, I was in relapse for two years during grad school. And by the grace of God, I was able to like, um, be recovered and present that last year and today I get to I get to work with teenagers because I believe that is where God's calling is for me I work in a treatment center with teenagers who struggle with addiction and and I get to like I get to be useful I get to be of service all day long to these kids who who are to these kids who are challenged and struggling. I have these amazing women in my life um, that I walk this path with. I have these women that I get to I get to sponsor and you know and share this journey with. My you know and my job as a sponsor and my sponsor said this too like my only job as a sponsor is to take my to take someone's hand and put their hand in the hand of God. So I get to share my experience with this journey and my experience finding the spiritual solution with other people. And that is a joy, right? I don't always want to do it, but it is a joy when I do it. And that's the thing about this program. I don't always have to, I don't always have to want to do these things, but I have to show up anyways because I know it works. My marriage, um, Though there are still 
trials and things that we, we have to work through, but I, are, I am closer to my husband than I ever been in the 16 years that we've been together. And I have this relationship with these three beautiful daughters that is continuing to evolve and grow. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a miracle. Um, and I just want to say to the newcomer or the person out there struggling, this, this works. This, this spiritual solution is available to everybody. Because I used to think it was available to you, but not to me. It's available to everyone. Um, please keep coming back. Um, and with that, um, with that, I will pass. I'll pass back the time. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with all of us today. Thank you for your inspiring message of hope and possibility. Very much appreciated. The share ID for today, 20,488. That's 20488. Stephanie's contact information will be given at the conclusion of the recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question-answer segment. You can pose a question, questions only, to Stephanie by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Katie G. Gotcha, Katie. Rivka R. Both. Rivka R. Yvette L. Morrissey. Was it Sarah L? Yvette L. Yvette, I'm sorry. Yvette L. Morrissey. Star one to unmute if you'd like to pose a question. All right, let's get started with this group. I have Katie G, Rifka R, Yvette L, and Maura Z. Okay, Katie, go right ahead. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for your service, um, Stephanie. Oh, sorry. Uh, Stephanie, that was absolutely glorious. Um, it does not go without notice for me that you um, started and completed a lot of education. I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit. Um, you know, life gets really overwhelming and out of balance just as a mom. And I'm just wondering if there's something in particular um, that helped you continue um, and helped you to continue right now with um, all of the things that we're asked to do to stay connected with God, that, um, that idea that God can balance it. But, um, yeah, I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, thanks for the question, Katie. And hi. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, um, here's what I learned during that two-year relapse and prior to relapsing. School became everything. Work became everything. Like, I put all of this other stuff ahead of doing the things that were keeping me connected to God. And so, coming out of this relapse, and working these steps this time, it was very clear to me. Yes, I was in a hospitalization period for those eight to 10 weeks until I finished working the steps. But those things, like 
like this, my recovery had to come first. And I had a sponsor once who said to me, and this was, it was so cool. And I was like, what? But she said to me, you know, if you put in the time with God and you put in the time to work your program, God is going to create time on the other end. And I was like, what? Okay, whatever. And you know what? She was right. Like, for what somehow I was provided the time and the space to do what I needed to do. But I also want to say in those first eight weeks, I had to drop a class. I had to drop a class because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do what I needed to do to work the steps if I took that class. And it meant that I might have to like extend my graduate program another semester. And the funny thing with how God works is that didn't happen. I was able to kind of catch up later in my um, graduate program. But even today, like if I, ha- you know, this morning, I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning, my time so that I could do my 30 minutes in prayer and meditation. Because if I don't do that, like it's the air I breathe in the morning. If I don't start with a spiritual foundation, the rest of the day, it never goes well. So if I, if I put these things first, and it does require a lot of planning on my part, like I, I had to be very planful, like, okay, this is what's going to happen today. And, you know, here's when I can make my calls because I need to connect with people throughout the day, not because I'm told to make three calls, but because I need to connect with other compulsive overeaters. I need that time in the morning with God. I need that time with God throughout the day. I need to plan time to do my night. Like, like all of these things are like, are what keep me sane in the midst of the busyness, right? Even praying when I'm with clients, sometimes I'm sitting there praying, God, help me. I don't know how to help this person, right? Like it's, 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 I have to remember what is important. And without this recovery, I don't have anything to give all these other areas of my life and the busyness. I think that was long-winded, but I hope that answered it, Katie. Thank you, Katie G. Rifka R., your turn. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That was just an absolutely magnificent and inspiring qualification. Uh, My question is, um, did you find when you had that, you know, three years of abstinence and then your sponsor told you to go back to step one, did you find that that was an important and necessary part of your recovery to be told to go back when you didn't feel like you needed to? Well, I can say she was absolutely right. I had broken my abstinence the day before, and I just didn't want, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to admit it because there's ego and pride. Look at me. I've got three years and, and this and that, like all of those things and so much self, right? But she was absolutely right because something was broken, right? Something had broken and I needed to go back and somehow for me to pick up the food again, there was a part of me that stopped believing I was like, like I I had this problem. Like I, I, you know, that, that first part of step one, right. There was a part of me that I don't know. And it wasn't even a conscious thought, but that, part of me that stopped believing 
that, um, you know, I'm powerless over food. And then forgetting how unmanageable life can become. So I, I, you know, I wish that I would have just been able to say, okay, let's go back and start over. And unfortunately, I used it as an excuse to go back into the food. But I think she was exactly right in, in challenging me. And, 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 not, and she wasn't, like, rude about it. She's just like, you know, I really think, you know, I encourage you to pray about this. And oh, how dare she, right? Um, because self had taken over. So, yeah, hopefully that, that answers that. that. That was what it was like for me, I think, yeah. Thanks for the question, Rivka. Yes, thank you, Rivka R. Yvette L., your turn. Good morning, this is Yvette L. It uh, recovered by God's grace and mercy. Um, so, thank you so much for your presentation. Um, my question is: If God is in everything, um, then how is why not a spiritual question? Because um, God challenges me with that question sometimes. So, uh, I'm wondering if it's just my ego, or <laughs> so. Thank you so much. Oh, why is trying to figure it out? Okay, why am I, why, you know, why did I do this? Why, why am I not abstinent? Why is that person and not me? So part of it for me is that, you know, that like, I, I, I like to live in self-pity, right? Um, and, and why for me is trying to figure it out and control it. Like, you know, the other day, I, I woke up feeling really sad. Like, I woke up with sadness, just utter sadness and thinking, you know, is this, is this, you know, is this my life, God? And, and I have a wonderful life, but I don't know what it was. I just woke up feeling really sad, right? And for me to sit there and go, well, why am I feeling this way? Well, you know, it was like, no, God, what would you have me do? Who would you have me help? So for me, you know, trying to, 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 to figure out the why is me trying to control it. And when I'm trying to control something, it always goes poorly for me. It really does. Like, you know, the more I let go and the more I, you know, God, what would you have me do? Who would you have me be? Who would you have me help today? And God put, uh, it was so funny because I worked with a sponsee that morning and then God put uh, uh, someone who was struggling and relaxed on the phone with me, and, and that sadness lifted. Now, I'm not saying, like, that mental illness isn't a real thing, that, like, depression isn't a real thing. What I, like, I guess what I'm saying, you know, for me is I feel better when I help other people. And so sitting in the why, 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 why for me it, it's it's trying to control it and trying to figure it out. And maybe if I figure it out, I can control it better. And maybe if I figure it out, I can fix it, you know? And I've been doing that my entire life. And in some ways, some areas it helped, but never when it came to this problem. So that's what I mean by that. So thank you for the question. Hopefully that answered it. Thank you, Yvette L. 
Maura Z, you're up. Thank you, Leah, for your service. Stephanie, thank you for that share. That was that was a lot of things I needed to hear this morning. I really appreciate you. I um, just thinking about comparing myself to what was going on in my mind before I picked up and was in a three-year relapse after six years of abstinence and not comparing but, but thinking about what you were going through before you picked up on New Year's Eve. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, sure. So um, the food was the last thing to go for me. Um, so here's what it was like. I was super busy with school. I was super busy with work. I take care of him. At that time, he was two years old. Was he two? My grandson lived with us. I take care of my two-year-old grandson at night. Um, and the busyness, right? Like, I got so caught up in everything else. If a sponsee picked up selfishly, I was like, okay, great. Now I have that, you know, and this is awful. It's horrible to say, but it was like, okay, it's one less person I need to talk to today. <laughs> Isn't that, that's awful. My phone would ring for outreach calls. I wouldn't pick up you know, the call because I was too busy. I wasn't necessarily calling people back. I wasn't doing 10 steps. Like all of the work that I had been doing to keep me connected, I wasn't, I stopped doing. And I started thinking I've got this. And I started thinking like school was the priority, right? Or, you know, the things I was doing at work, well, this is a priority. I have to go to work. I have to go to school. Um, and all of these, and, and it's a slow. It's like Herb K says the dimmer switch. He, he, he talks about the dimmer switch and he talks about, you know, with recovery, the dimmer switch moves up as we're recovering slowly and the light's coming back on. And then one day we're like, wow, life is okay again, but it happens in reverse. I'm not seeing that it's getting, you know, I'm getting closer and closer to picking the food up. And that day that I picked up, right, I, 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 I didn't see that the darkness was coming back and that food was becoming the solution. And I was feeling less connected with God. It was like this weird thing. And then I'm like, you know, the thought that day when I picked up, it wasn't like, oh, my God, if I eat this, I may never stop. That never occurred to me. Never. Never. It was like. F this, I'm not starting my time over because I ate a little extra of this or this the night before. It was, if I'm going to start my time over, I'm going to make it worth it. And then I started with like overeating abstinent food later in the day. And that, you know, supposedly, right? And then the next thing I know, I'm in the cake in the fridge because it's right after the holidays and there's all these goodies still from the holidays. And then I had this sinking sense at the end of the night. Oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? So it was a gradual, right? It's kind of like the frog. I don't know the analogy. You put the, the frog in the hot water and you turn the, water, the heat up slowly, slowly, slowly. And the frog doesn't even realize it until the frog's boiling, right? That I, I screwed up the analogy, but kind of like that, I didn't see it. 
And then I was back in it again. And, did, I, and it took two years to get out of it. So, yeah. Thank you, Maura, for your question. Who else has a question this morning for Stephanie? You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name as well as the first letter of your last name. Christina J. Christina J. Who else was there? Mary K. I got a Mary. I got somebody K. Karen K. Karen K. Elena C. Elena C. Marcia D. Marcia D. I missed somebody in there. After Elena C. and before Marcia D. was Carolyn S. Carolyn S. Okay. Great. Uh, we've got Christina J., Mary, Erin K., Elena C., I believe Carolyn S., and Marcia D. Let's go with that group, beginning with Christina J. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. Leah, thank you for your service, continued service. And Stephanie, that was just amazing, exactly where I'm at now in coming out of this relapse, three weeks clean now. First, one of the first things my new sponsor said to me is, where did you lose the connection to God? And the first thing I heard Ruth saying in uh, what is entire absence is the relapse starts when we lose our connection to God. So, and this is not a spiritual aspect. This is a spiritual program. So when you're working with people coming out of relapse um, or newbies and they claim they have a connection to God or relapsers that say, I'm doing my 10 and 11s, where do you begin to kind of unravel where they lost it, where they're losing it? I know for me, I completely could not connect. And I learned that I have to make the effort to go, as we all know, towards God. And my prayers have been... Connect me. I'm lost. Every morning I wake up lost. I need to connect. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to make this long-winded because of my question. But uh, it's, it's what I have to do every morning is reconnect. So thank you for answering that. Appreciate your share very much. I just want to make sure I'm getting the question. Is the question, if someone like in relapse or a newcomer says they already have a really strong connection with God, but they're still eating? Yeah, like that. Obviously, yeah. Go ahead. I'll, I want to elaborate. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, it's interesting because I, because I've I've had that happen. Actually, I've talked to quite a bit where someone will be in relapse and say, "But the God thing isn't a problem. I, I have a relationship with God." And so, you know, the question that always comes up for me is. If you have this connection with God and you and you have this strong belief, then why are you eating? Right? Then why are you picking up? Because and and, and you know, I'm, and maybe I'll have them, you know, do some do some writing about that or we'll we'll just but 
But I have to have a God that I give everything to. And I find that sometimes, like, uh, I, I've sometimes with the sponsee, you know, they'll, they'll, I guess the gap is we're not, not trusting God with this food problem or not trusting God with like, yeah, sometimes life is, you know, there are hard things and life is painful and things happen. And, you know, if you have this relationship with God and this trust and this belief, then where, then where is the gap that you're going to the food and not going to God? Right. And I think it can be very difficult for people who, who, you know, because I've always believed in a God, right? But I didn't always believe that, that God believed in me, if that makes sense. And I, sometimes that comes up for people. Like I believe in God, but I don't believe God is going to fix this problem for me. Well, then we need to look at, you know, what's blocking you. Right. My my sponsor does this amazing talk about, you know, spiritual cataracts and the impediments to 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 believing God can fix this problem. Right. So what's blocking that? So is your God really working? Is that is your conception of God really working? And where are the gaps? Right. For you to connect in a way that you'll go to God and not the food. So that's, that, I, I think that's kind of the, the approach that I've, I've taken, but I think that that can be really hard. Sometimes I think it's easier when someone has no conception of God coming in. So that can be challenging. Thank you, Christina yeah. Jay, for your question. Um, what, Perhaps there wasn't a Mary. Was there a Mary? Hi, yes, uh, Mary P. Thank you, Mary P. Go right ahead. Hi, yes. Um, Thank you, Leanne. Thank you very much, Stephanie. I really uh, fell a lot out of what you shared. Um, My question is, you know, I've been around a long time, and um, I want to... I want to know how you feel God is present with you. How is it that you are sure that God is with you and right next to you and is available so and can give you direction? I can't hear the direction all the time. Thanks. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, so what, how do I know God is with me? Sometimes I don't feel connected. And that's the truth. I don't always feel connected. Um, And I remember in those first few weeks in that 30 minutes in the morning of prayer and meditation, someone suggested that I do two way prayer, you know, like write a letter to write a letter to God and then write back. And, you know, my part of me was like, what do you mean write back? God's going to write me back? That's me writing back. But this crazy thing started happening. Like, I would write down whatever came up for me, you know, good morning, this is da-da-da-da. And then I would feel like I, I'd write these things like, you know, I, I actually have them in my journal. God would write back things to me like, 
and I'll read you one. My dearest darling daughter, I love you unconditionally. Do not put limits on my love and power. I am with you. I haven't left you. I am holding you. Relax in my arms. Hold my hand. I will guide you, my love. You know, I will never leave you or forsake you. You know, trust me. Turn to me in your sorrow and know that it is fleeting, that feelings are fleeting, my love, for you, for my love for you is eternal. And so things like that would come out. And that's not me. Like, I'm not right. That, <laughs> like, I don't. I don't think that way. I don't talk that way. And so I did two-way prayer like every day for probably the first year this time around, right? Um, and so that's what really like, okay, so maybe God is here and God is with me. And then I have to look at, you know, I do a gratitude list every day. Where did God show up in my day? And I look for these, you know, miracles throughout the day of where God has shown up where God, you know, it could just be like, I don't know, I'm walking outside in the breeze, you know, the warm air, you know, I, that, that I know is, is God do a lot of times I feel God in nature. So, and then praying throughout the day, I don't always have to believe that there's, that God is on the other end, like any other relationship right? It's not going to grow. It's not going to build if I don't put time into it. If I don't spend time with my husband, I'm not going to feel connected with my husband. And I don't always feel connected with my husband, but then I spend time with him and I feel more connected. It's like that. I show up and, you know, things shift and change. And as I said, when I really don't feel connected, uh, you know, like I notice when I pray for other people, you know, I feel more connected. So I think it's trusting that whether I feel God is there or not, I show up and talk to God. I spend that time in the morning. I pray throughout the day. I do my, my, you know, my nightly review and reflect on my day with God, you know? Um, And oftentimes when I'm, not feeling connected, I make an outreach call or someone calls me and I hear God talking through them, right? God, God reaches me through other people when I'm blocked. So hopefully that, that makes sense. It's like, I, you know, it's not like, um, believe me, <laughs> I am not feeling connected 24-7. But I know, I know through the miracle of my recovery and then going to meetings and hearing miracles that this miracle of recovery and transformation and others i see god's work in other people i i see it every day and i have to look for it throughout my day and that helps me that helps me connect so yeah hopefully that answers the question thank you mary Thank you, Mary P., for the question. Erin Kay, your turn to pose a question. Good morning, uh, Stephanie. Thank you, and I love you. Just, I'll just get those out of the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my question, um, <clears throat> something popped into my head um, when you were talking about when you were having struggles in your marriage and you kind of threw yourself into you know, the, the harder into working with others, 
it saved you. And sometimes I feel like I have this little devil in my head that pops up at times. And she's like, she wears a power suit and calls herself like devil's advocate, attorney at law. Um, (laughs) The thought that I had was, you know, is that just, you know, is that just, are we distracting ourselves with other people's problems? You know, only, you know, to delay the inevitable that we're going to have to come back to our own problems and deal with them eventually. Or is it something different than that? Um, Like, I I feel like I know the answer, but I don't know how to articulate. So I'm going to give you that hard job. I'll pass. (laughs) Hi, Erin. I love you, too. And thank you for the question. So, so the work I had to do with my sponsor, I had to do resentment inventories, fear inventories. Oh, I was doing work on what was going on with my husband. That was my work to do with my sponsor. So it wasn't like my head was in the sand and I'm just, because I I get the question, right? Like, is this a distraction? Like, I'm just going to work with these other people and not deal with my problem. I like, I can't tell you how many 10 steps I had to do throughout the day. Um, I'll never forget like midnight on a Saturday night, I couldn't sleep and I was in so much fear. And, and I actually made an outreach call. Like someone answered the phone for me at like midnight on a Saturday night. Cause I was like, I, I don't, I didn't want to eat, but I was like, I am so afraid and I am, I don't know what's going to happen. And my life is over. Like, like it was like, it really felt like it was the, for whatever reason, it really felt like it was the end of the world for me during those first couple weeks of the separation. And um, so I was doing the work on it, right, walking through it and, you know, throwing myself into working with others. When I wasn't in school, wasn't at work, you know, working with sponsees and then keeping my channel clear and, and, you know, and, and my husband and I, I, we actually started dating like a, a month in um, because he started working his program. And, and then there was even more work to do there, right? <laughs> a lot of work to do there. And there's still continued work because the damage in our marriage, it's, it, there's still two years later, we're still working on it. So, you know, I, I, I feel like these steps give me a way to work through whatever pops up, you know, and I kept very close to my sponsor and I, I actually had to, um, I had to go to therapy too for a while during that time, but yeah, I was working on it and working with others, working my program on it and working with others. So, so hopefully, hopefully that answered it, Erin. Thank you, Erin. Yes, beautiful. Thank you. Elena C., your turn. Good morning, everyone. Um, Thank you so much for your story. And, you know, it's so good to wake up on Sunday night to a story like yours. I'm so grateful for you and for Leah, I'm sorry, and all this program and all of you. My question is, you already answered, I think, the question, some some things about... um, my question, but what what helped you the most to uh, see and uh, you know clarify what 
God's will for you and your husband was to re- reunite it and not not separate it permanently. And what and you said working through, and yeah, relationships are they need continuously work through. But what helped you the most to continue to work through this this relationship? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that question. It's a great question. Um, oh, where? So what is God's will? So here's what I have learned. My will, like my will can be fleeting. And if I want it and I want it now and it needs to be quick and I got to have it now and I better do this, like I know that self-will, right? And what I've learned is God's will is if I desire this today, I'm going to desire it tomorrow, you know, and I'm constantly asking, like, what do you, what would you have me do? Like, I wanted my husband to move back in sooner than he wanted to move back in, which may sound kind of crazy. And, you know, because one of the, when we separated, you know, um, I, before I asked my husband to move out, I asked him, I said, if you're willing to come back, because we met in OA. So again, my husband's in this program and two other programs. And things had gone. He wasn't working any of those programs. He had been in relapse a long time in programs. And I said, if you are willing to get a sponsor and work a program, I'm willing to work this out. And he said, no, I'm not willing to do that. And I said, well, then you're going to have to leave. So and that's when that's when he moved out. And, you know, the miracle of recovery is that, you know, he he got sponsor and he started doing what he, you know, working the steps and what he needed to do. And as soon as he started doing that a month later after dating, I wanted him to come back. And that was that was me trying to control it. Right. And so. Um, so I know that God's will, if it's if it's God's will for me today. It's going to be God's will for me tomorrow and the next day. And I also know that when I get a great idea to talk to my sponsor about it or to talk to my accountability partner, to talk to the, you know, small group of women that, you know, I walk this walk with on a daily basis, like, hey, here's an idea. What do you think? And so that that really helps me. I'm not going to talk to 20 people about it, right, because I'll get 20 different opinions. I, I keep that kind of bubble, that circle very, very small, right? And God speaks to me through other people. I think that was the first part of the question, but I don't, what was the second part of the question? Yeah. <clears throat> Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So the second part is what's um, helping you, you particularly, right? Because um, it has mm-hmm. to start with us. Um, nowadays, to continue to work through the relationships, the re- the relationships in general, but the relationship with your husband in particular. Yeah. Well, here's the good news: we both have sponsors that <laughs> we can work through, and you know, again, like that's ten, eleven, and twelve. You know, when I'm angry at my husband or resentful or I'm struggling with past issues, right, I, I do a 10-step to look at it. And then my, my sponsor even recently, about a month ago, 
she's like, you need to do, uh, we, we need to spend more time on this. And I did a full blown resentment inventory about things that were happening with my husband. And I shared it with my sponsor. And then we looked at, do I owe him that? You know, what are the character defects? Do I owe an amends, right? And then I need to go and, and be useful to someone, right? So, like, the answer is in the steps. Um, and it says here, and I'll find it in, I was talking to someone about this just recently in the family. I think it's in the family afterward. Oh, no, it's in Two Wives on page 118. Um, and my husband and I, we work on doing this. It says, you and your husband will find that you can dispose of serious problems easier than you can the trivial ones. Next time you and he have a heated discussion, no matter what the subject, it should be the privilege of either the, either to smile and say, this is getting serious. I'm sorry I got disturbed. Let's talk about it later. And so if things are getting heated, we can pause. We can go work, you know, with our sponsors or, or go do a tense, whatever, and then come back and talk about it. And I think that that, you know, and I, I can tell you there are people, there are women who get those calls for me. I need to do a 10 step. I need to talk through this. I'm really pissed off, you know, and then in working that 10 step, I get to see my character defect in my part. And a lot of times, you know, like I got the ball rolling, um, and I'll, then I'll have to go back and I'll make an amends to my husband. And then, you know, it, it, it says in the book also, when I'm done doing that 10 step, I go look for someone to help, right? So I think that is such a huge part of this design for living in every relationship. I work, you know, 10, 11, and 12. And if I forget to do that, I make a call and I'm reminded, you're 10 steps. I'm not going to do a 10 step. And I love those women that remind me to do that. Thank you, Elena C., for your question. Carolyn S., I believe. It's your turn to pose a question. Yes, hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm Carolyn S., uh, recovered in New York. Um, I have a question. It, it might be an outside issue, in which case, just let me know that. But um, Recovery is not dependent upon circumstances, you said. And uh, I found that when I'm under a lot of stress, sometimes I'm not able to reach my higher power or feel it deeply enough to address my problem. I mean, in, in my case, that includes mental illness. I mean, I know that, that we're not going to talk about that, but it is referenced in the big book um, in how it works, that ours is a manner of living that demands rigorous honesty. And then um, on page 58, it says, there are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. And I've been programmed 20 years, and I've had a lot of relapse. And sometimes I think back on this paragraph and say, maybe I don't have the capacity to be honest. You know, how do I know I do? But I have had, you know, periods of recovery, like 16 months is the most, um, how do I know if I'm able and willing and actually doing um, what, you know, the honesty? How do I get that and know I have it? Sorry, that was kind of convoluted. Mm. No, thank you for the question. And, I'm, you know, I hear my sponsor's voice in my head because she talks about honesty and she talks about dishonesty, like wearing a sign across your chest that says, 
you know, keep out God. And, you know, what they're talking about here is, uh, you know, being honest on a daily basis, right? Like, like this rigorous honesty is that I don't, I don't lie to people. I don't, you know, do, it's kind of like cash register honesty, if you will. Like, I don't, I don't, do like I don't lie to my employer I don't steal time I don't like I think all of those things like no matter if I'm struggling with let's say depression or anxiety again you know like you said it's an outside issue but it doesn't matter you know the for me the mental health aspect I can still be honest and I know when I'm being honest and I know when I'm being dishonest and when I'm being dishonest I need to fix it right away and you know sometimes it comes up even later like I I had something come up, you know, uh, my last year of grad school, I heard a speaker share and they were sharing about academic dishonesty. And I'm like, I realized that I had been dishonest. Um, And I won't go into detail about it, but I had to make that right. And so I think what they're talking about here is that level of rigorous honesty that I'm not lying, I'm not cheating, I'm not stealing, and which for me could be stealing time at work by doing things, other things than what I'm being paid to do. I think that's what they're talking about. Um, I think, you know, no matter, I think, you know, my sponsor would say, um, you know, anyone can be, can have that level of honesty. However, I think what has held me back in the past is I didn't, I was too afraid or I didn't want to deal with the consequences of being honest in some cases. So I don't, I, I'm not sure I'm answering the question for you, but that's kind of my experience with that paragraph on page 58 with that rigorous honesty. So, and you know, like the mental health piece, you know, I, I, I can't really talk to that, but I know there have been times that I have needed outside help, meaning I needed, you know, therapy. Um, there have been times, but I can tell you though that therapy never helped me with this food problem. I was in an eating disorder program. I was hospitalized at one point. Um, I had an eating disorder therapist. I mean, that for me, my experience only, my experience that didn't connect me with God. It just didn't. These 12 steps connected me with God working this program did. Thank you, Carolyn S. And our final question for the morning comes from Marsha D. Good morning. Sorry. Good morning, and thank you so much. I think you just gave my lead. I, I related to everything but the husband. Um, my question is, I think you've talked about this in various aspects, but my question is, you know, um, how did your your relapse and your recovery impact your children, and how have you worked your program with them? Mm-hmm. Thank you for that question. It always makes me so sad when I think about the wreckage uh, with my family. First of all, I, I scared them considerably when I wouldn't return phone calls. My middle daughter lives with us, but my other two daughters, one's in Chicago and one's in San Francisco, and they would call and I wouldn't call back. I might text every so often, 
But I think what really scared my family was watching me gain weight so quickly because that 110 pounds that I gained, in, I gained that in like six months. That's a tremendous amount of weight to gain in a short period of time. And I could barely walk down the street. Like I was huffing and puffing and groaning. I could barely walk up. The I mean, my physical health, and I was having heart palpitations and going to the emergency room and like I had all kinds of health problems throughout those two years and it scared the heck out of them so I had quite a and I, I became estranged from my brother's family who had always been close I mean there was so much wreckage that I had to clean up through making amends and then through showing up differently you know, like that cruise and to have my oldest and middle daughter say to me, mom, you're so different. You're so spiritual. We can really see that you're working a program like that. I mean, first of all, it's like, thank you, God. And secondly, thank you, God, you know, thank you, God, for, for this, this miracle of recovery. And thank you that I get to show up differently for my kids, that I get to repair the wreckage I've caused in all areas of my life, you know? Thank you so much for this opportunity. Imperfectly, I still have to make amends, you know? <laughs> I still have to, like, stuff still comes up, right? Because that's just the nature of being a human, right? I'm not like, yeah, I, I, I am still human and I still make mistakes and selfishness is character defects. They crop up all the time way not not but they still crop up and then I have to go back and make amends you know and try and make it right but I have the opportunity see like in recovery so many things are possible that are not when I'm sitting in a corner by myself shoving food in my mouth so thank you for the question Yes, thank you, Marsha D., for the question. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you so much, Stephanie L., for this inspiring and profound story of your transformation. Truly powerful. A gem for the archives, that's for sure. Today's share ID, 20,488. That's 20488. For today's presentation, we will now close from page 164 found in your big book in a chapter entitled, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.